0: What's this? What's this? It's super colour, What is this? A whole new world. What is this? Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. This is the first ever statistics-based episode. Um, and it's mostly going to be me attempting to kind of suss out the format that I want to put this in just as the previous episode, my review of American honey kind of helped me figure out exactly how I want my review episodes to go. This will hopefully help me determine how I want my statistics episodes to go. And it'll also be me, really trying to cut the word um out of my vocabulary. In case you haven't realized it yet, that may just be your ears ignoring the nonsensical syllable that it is, or it may be because I have edited the episodes you've listened to to cut out as many of those ums as I possibly can. So without any further ado, let's see here. So, like I mentioned in my introduction podcast episode, if you listen to it, there is this expansive spreadsheet that I keep on all the movies that I've ever seen. It is, as of this recording, totaling 4,026 films, which, um, if they were evenly distributed across all 25 years of my life, would equate to roughly 160 films per year. Which is definitely a substantial number, for sure. But also, those films are not evenly distributed across every year of my life. And if I check, I can see that this current year,
1: 2016, I have...
0: Seen more films this year than any year previous. And I'm at 914 films right now. I'm recording this on October 23rd. So there is no shadow of doubt in my mind that I'm going to hit a 1,000. If it kills me. I should have done it in 2014. And then Life Things happened. Which kept me at 897. That number is a little... Um, uh, Misleading because this, because the number I'm looking at only counts the films that I've seen that my last viewing of them was in that year. So even though I've seen The Dark Knight very many times, the only time it shows up on this is the last time I saw it, which is why I haven't, quote, haven't seen any films from before 1996. I was born in 1991, and I'm sure in 94, 95, probably I saw many films. Even in 96, I probably saw a lot more than two films, but I don't remember any of them. I can't recall seeing any of them, or I've since seen them multiple times, and even though I saw them in 96, I did see them again later in 97 or 98, 99, 2000, etc. So this year in 2014, are both around the 900 mark. Every year before that doesn't even break 500. You know, 2015, I only watched 357. It's really sad to not hit 365. Uh, 2012 and 2013, both eclipsed 400, but barely. 2011, um, which was the year... Well, I guess 2010 was actually the first year I really started to seriously start watching movies and to start appreciating them and caring about them and on a grander scope. And that, that year, I saw roughly 150 films. But I was still in college then. So time was not precisely always available to me. And that was also the year I started creating the spreadsheet And so that also occupied a lot of my time. And in college, you know, while movies were a very big part of my life, there was also a lot of video games, a lot of television, um, a lot of just hanging around with my friends then. Um, So then the next year, in 2011, it bumps up to 243 films, so almost 100 more movies. And then 2012, we hit 422. 2013, 424. 20, and then 2014, we jump all the way up to about 900. So, the other interesting thing to look at is the average rating for each film released each year. So, for example, um, I have seen 100 films... From 2016. Preci- exactly. And the average rating. For those enti- all those 100 films. Is a 52.4. That's. Actually pretty low. All things considered. Because my average rating for every film I've ever seen. Is about a 59. And. That's a trend that has been happening more recently. So in 2015. My average film rating was 56. Or so. In 2014, it was 51. In 2013, it was 57. Um, And then in 2012, it was 67. There was a 10-point drop between 2012 and 2013. And there's there's a very clear reason for this. And it's because when I started to get serious about film, there were a lot of great films that I had not yet seen. Oscar-winning films quote films that everyone needs to see before they die films and so the first couple of years i blew through those you know your departed your citizen Kane's, your you know mementos all those things you know movies i'd never seen i was either too young to see them when they came out or not born or just not interested and It eventually got to this point where so many of the films that I watched were being rated really highly. And as great as that is, you know, who doesn't want to watch, you know, great films day in, day out? You know, I don't think any of us would really complain if every movie they went to throughout the year turned out to be a a really good movie. But the problem was that I started to have a lot of trouble really discerning the greatness of one film from the greatness of another one. So while you know, you know, just to look in September, from September going into end of September, early October of 2011, I hit a period. This where the movies I watched were Chinatown, 94, Grizzly Man, 84, Hotel Rwanda, 93, Das Boot, 91, Into the Wild, 92, Leon the Professional, 90, Letters from Iwo Jima, 90, Rescue Dawn, 91, Munich, 83, Mulholland Drive, 88, The Green Mile, 84, The Elephant Man, The Deer Hunter, uh, the Last King of Scotland, Schindler's List, The Exorcist, Saving Private Ryan. You know, like, I saw all those movies in such a close, tightly knit span of time. Or, you know, the next year in 2012, there's a period in January, heading into February. Moon, Buried, Fifty Fifty, 50 The 2011 Winnie the Pooh movie, Margin Call, The Help, The Descendants, The Hurt Locker. The gray, attack the block. You know, there's, there's, and you know, whether or not you each all feel that the movies I'm listing are high quality movies, you know, they're what I think are generally films that more people than not really enjoy, or at least think are very good. And I generally tend to agree. And so I was kind of hitting this point eventually where every movie, all these movies I kept watching, landed in like the mid to high 80 range on my rating scale. And that's not to say that they didn't deserve these ratings, but it is to say that when you only watch good movies, it becomes really hard, or at least for me anyway, it became really hard to distinguish what makes a movie like They Live three points better than Kohan Luke. You know, I can, you know, I can say I liked They Live more or that I find it a more interesting movie, but those are really vague descriptions that don't actually amount to anything. You know, and I don't want my ratings to simply be based on how much I liked a movie. Because I think that that's unfair. So, you know, it was sometime around July of 2012 where I started to get this idea. And I was on vacation, I was at the beach, and I'm not really a beach person per se. So I would stay in the house we, we would stay at while everybody else went down to the water and it was fine you know we're usually there during Wimbledon and I, I really enjoy watching Wimbledon but you know you know based on the time difference it gets to be like two three in the afternoon here and they're wrapping up over in England so I would end up kind of flipping through the channels trying to figure out what to watch and I ended up stumbling upon the sci-fi channel and there are four there's a a quad a quadruplet of movies here that are just utterly trash they are all terrible and they're all sci-fi movies they are Lake Placid 2 Lake Placid 3 mega piranha and mega python versus gatoroid mega python versus gatoroid and now as bad as these movies are they don't get zeros you know i didn't there are movies i've given a zero to these are none of none of these are them and as awful as they are they're like so bad they're good in some instances, you know. And so but what that did was the next really good movie I saw immediately after that um, was Dial M for Murder. You know, 19 9, 1954. You know, drama, thriller, mystery movie, suspense, and you know, I you know, I can remember watching it and thinking this feels fantastic and the reason that I felt so good to watch this was because I hadn't just watched a dozen really good movies before it I had only watched four really bad movies right before it and so it really made me appreciate the effect that a bad movie can have going forward so while you can look at my spreadsheet and I really tried to like burn through as many good movies as I could think of immediately following that. So you've got, I also, this is also the point where I became introduced to Wes Anderson. So there's quite a few Wes Anderson movies in here too, but so immediately following dial in for murder, you've got everything must go bottle rocket, magic, Mike Rushmore chasing Amy. Um, Lars and the Real Girl, Gone Baby Gone, The Darjeeling Limited, Life Aquatic, Royal Tenenbaums, Source Code, Constant Gardener, Casino, Castle in the Sky, and Justice for All, Million Dollar Baby, Monsters Ball, Shadow of the Vampire, You Can Count on Me, Trans-Siberian, State of Maine, Nurse Betty, Girl Fight, Gods and Monsters, Hunter, The Hunter, Traffic, Castaway Space, Cowboys Big, Miracle Margaret, Aaron Brockovich, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Big Fish, Train Spotting, The Dish, Gosford Park, Pulp Fiction, My Dinner with Andre, Tape, Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, Submarine, Once, Moulin Rouge, Say Anything, The Lookout, 310 to Yuma, Monsoon Wedding, Sideways, Dave, Zelig, and I'm Not There, Go, Sense and Sensibility, Little Women, Samson and Delilah, Nine Lives, the Man Who Wasn't There, Mars Attacks, uh, yeah. you know, so, 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 so many movies that, and like, it just keeps going, you know, that's July, we're still in July, Capote, Shallon Soccer, Reservoir Dogs, we hit August with Knocked Up, Tristam Shandy, Michael Clayton, Hairspray, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Revanche, Dr. Strangelove, Akira, The Innocents, 13 Days, My Favorite Year, M, Sleeper, <sighs> Notes on a Scandal, American Psycho, Capaloo, Rabbit Hole, Pieces of April, Cedar Rapids, Mystery Team, Obscene, Two Days in Paris, The Muppets, Inception, That was a rewatch, uh, A Clockwork Orange, The Laramie Project, The 400 Blows, Easy Rider, Persona, Two Days in New York, Bronson, The Evil Dead, Breakfast on Pluto, Army of Darkness, uh, Evil Dead 2, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Passenger Side, The Odd Couple, Bernie, Birdie, Citizen Kane, Battle Royale, Naked, Hero, Take Shelter, A Room with a View, Shotgun Stories, Back to School, Uprising, Trust, Nothing But the Truth, Pirates the Band of Misfits. Um, you know, I just... And I could keep going. I could keep going because even into October, into November, December, you know, there were so many, so many great movies that I watched during those years. And finally, finally, you know, I I burned myself out by pretty much a year later, it took me to get to get to the point where I felt like I couldn't keep watching great movies without peppering in bad ones you know and a big reason part of that is because of the thespian page in my spreadsheet now each movie is rated out of 100 but i wanted to know of all the actors that have been in any movie i've ever seen which one do i typically rate higher than the others which one gets a better score which one is more valuable in a movie and so when I first did this I only counted movies that were rated 80 or higher because one a vast majority of movies that I've seen had had seen at the point were 80 or higher and two I figured being in more good movies meant that it was more important or like that, that that actor was more important to me, that I thought that they were better than the other person. So, you know, if I, I can sort that now, so Philip Seymour Hoffman has currently been in the most movies that I've rated between an 80 and an 89. So there's 12 movies he's been in that I've rated between an 80 and 89. Um, if we look at 90 to 99... We have the voice actress Sherry Lynn, who is generally in all of the Pixar movies, and then some. You know, her catalog is vast. You know, there her so her thirteen movies are Inside Out, Toy Story three, Finding Nemo, Toy Story two, Spirited Away, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Kiki's Delivery Service, Wall-E, Aladdin, Up, Princess Mononoke, Tarzan, and that's and there's many many more that she's been in that you know she doesn't have like an almost never has a main role in a film but she's in them she's in so many and then there's a separate category for movies that have been rated 100 and as of right now there is no actor on my list that has been in, that has been in more than one movie that I've rated 100 so i i slowly however began to expand this page as time went on. So I began incorporating movies that were rated in the 70s and then movies rated in the 60s. And then as soon as I dipped below 60, I realized, well, I have to just add everything. So I took the time, I went through, and I finally, finally made it all the way down to the bottom. And I'm I'm glad I did. You know, I'm glad I did that early enough to the point where if I had to do it now, it would take me so long and I'm not sure I would have the resolve to keep going the entire time. So it's, it's really, really good that I, I was able to do it so soon. The next thing I had to figure out was how was I going to f- distribute the value of these movies, of these actors for these actors. I couldn't, I couldn't simply do it with, for average film rating because one, if I do sort by average film rating, the top seat, the, the people who would be in the top are Ruth Hussey, who's he? Hussey, Hussey uh, and Virginia Weidler who are uh, both only in one movie that I've seen. And that's the Philadelphia story and I rated it a 99 out of 100. So their average film rating is 99, which means they're the best actresses or actors that I've ever seen in any movie ever. Not quite. Uh, You know, the number of movies has to count for something. So I ended up assigning a value to each movie based on where it was rated. So if they were in a movie, if the person was in a movie rated 100, that's a bonus. They get a bonus five points for that movie. So let's look at someone very recognizable like Tom Hanks. I've seen 41 movies with Tom Hanks in them. And the average rating of all 41 movies is a 65.39. So I wanted to make sure that the average film rating was part of the the value overall value but I also wanted to make sure that the film's individual ratings were also part of the overall value. So I started with taking the average film rating, 65.39, as the first part of an actor's overall score. So then when you break down those 41 movies that I've seen him in, um, Tom Hanks is one of the distinguished people to have at least one movie in every single column. So he's been in a movie that I've rated 100, Toy Story. He's been in five movies that have rated between 90 and 99, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2, Catch Me If You Can, Saving Private Ryan, and Captain Phillips. He's been in seven movies that have rated between 80 and 89, Philadelphia, Castaway, Saving Mr. Banks, The Great Buck Howard, The Green Mile, The Simpsons Movie, Big... And he's been in 10 movies that have rated between 70 and 79. Charlie Wilson's War, Road to Perdition, Toy Story of Terror, Forrest Gump, Bridge of Spies, Party Source Rex, A League of Their Own, Sully, Cars, Apollo 13. And so movies rated 100 are 5 points. Movies in the 90s are 4, 80s are 3, 70s are 2. His 6 movies in the 60s are all rated, all give him a bonus point of 1. Bachelor Party, Hawaiian Vacation Toy Story That Time Forgot The Terminal, The Polar Express The Lady Killers he's been in one movie that's been rated in the 50s and I decided that movies rated in the 50s no bonus points, they only affect the average film rating and his one movie is Cloud Atlas and then originally I just had any movie less than 50, had a value of Minus one points. But at some point, I determined that that's really not fair. You know, why is a movie that's that I give a zero to being valued at the same level as a movie I'm giving a 49 to? So I felt that there was too large of a discrepancy there. And that actors that had no films lower than like a 30 were being disproportionately valued compared to actors that had no that had a lot of bad films that were like twos and sixes so i split it up into a section before for 25 to 49 and 0 to 24 <clears throat> and tom hanks <clears throat> currently has six films that i've rated between 25 and 49 small fry turner and hooch you've got mail a hologram for the king Joe vs. the Volcano, and Angels and Demons. And then five movies that have been rated between a 0 and a 24. The Da Vinci Code, The Burbs, He Knows You're Alone, Radio Flyer, and The Bonfire of the Vanities. So those are all the 41 movies of Tom Hanks that I've seen. And so his ultimate value (gasps) ends up being a fifty-six. Which, as of right now, is tied with Kate Blanchett for seventh for the seventh highest value overall, and his average film rating of sixty-five point three nine is way way down the list. Uh, it's actually, let's see, roughly it's tied with Paul Giamatti for one thousand three hundred and first overall you know so there's 1,300 and 300 people who have a higher average film rating than tom hanks but very few of them have also been in have also been in 41 movies that i've seen so you can take that for what you will so purely based on those two values uh we would give tom hanks currently a score of 121.39 however His score is actually quite a little bit higher than that, because I decided that there would be a third factor that was not subjectively based on me. I wanted, you know, because both the first two factors are purely my own devising. And so the additional points come from the amount of acting Oscars that Tom Hanks has been nominated for and won. So for every single nomination, he gets one point. And for every award won, he gets one point. So if you're nominated and you win, it's a total of two points. And I have seen five movies that Tom Hanks was nominated for an acting Oscar in, and two movies where those Oscars uh, he won. So that ends up being seven additional points, which puts Tom Hanks score at 128.39, which just so happens to be the seventh overall highest score out of everybody. And the rankings change quite frequently because every movie, unless it's in the 50s, generally shifts an actor up or down at least one spot, unless you're at the very top and then it's the gap is a little, more, a little wider. So, right above Tom Hanks with a 129.25 is Christian Bale. And right below Tom Hanks with a 128.23 is Ray Fiennes. So, you know, distinguished company. You know, all three of those guys have been nominated for Academy Awards multiple times. Christian Bale has also won... But the difference being because Hanks has been nominated for more, one more, and has a slightly higher value than the other two people listed. Um, he's also been in 13 or so more movies than each of them. So the reason why they're all so close to get together is because they've been in less movies, particularly less bad movies than Hanks has, in my opinion, so far. And so their average film rating is, you know, six, seven, eight points higher than Tom Hanks is. And that's what creates such an even playing field. Man, Uh, where are we at? We're at just about 30 minutes now. Um, I was looking to cap this at about 40. I don't want to. I don't know how well this is going over, so I don't want to bore you to tears. Um, So just to to run down the top 10 currently, uh, Sherry Lynn is actually number one, and she is completely running away with it. She's got a score of 167.19. So compared to Tom Hanks, she's got just shy of 40 points on him. Her average film rating is just a 71, but her film value... Is a 96. The next highest film value. Is a 67. So. She gains th- almost 30 points. On every single person. Just from her film value. So it doesn't even matter. That she's never been nominated for an Academy Award. And that's not to say. She doesn't have any bad movies. Because she has 6 movies. Rated 24 or less. Which which are DuckTales. The movie. Colon, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Black Mass Death Becomes Her, Minions Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True and Happily Never After all voice acting roles she has voice acted in every movie she's been in which I've seen 48 movies that she's been in but these movies are not limited to to animated films. she does a voice in the original version of Old Boy as it turned out and I thought there was one more. There might not be. Uh, 101 Dalmatians, the new one. The the newer one. Uh, She does a voice in that as well. So, So, oh, and Death Becomes Her, which I mentioned is also live action, where she only does a voice. And so... I've actually gone out of my way to try and find bad movies that she's got a voice role in, which I have. And she still got 20 points total over the next best person. So number two is Brad Pitt. He has a score of 147.57. And I've seen 28 films with Brad Pitt in them. Um, There's definitely a couple of glaring absences from the filmography of Brad Pitt that I haven't seen. But I'm working on it. Um, number three. And this is the this is a person who spent multiple years at number one until I realized that Sherry Lynn was in like everything <laughs> that's ever existed. And that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. I've seen 31 of his movies. And he has a score of 138.39. And I really want to go back and re- and finish finish slashing out his entire filmography because now that he's passed he won't be making more movies which you know is awful and I wish he was because he's such a fantastic actor but I do have a I can if I watch everything he's ever been in end up with a permanently legitimate score for him that will be a standard for everyone else to try and meet by their dying day where someone like like a brad pitt or a sherry lynn may be able to surpass consistently but someone like a robert de niro or al pacino might not if if recent uh script decisions and and Role decisions is any indication of his of those two trajectories. Um, moving down to number four, we have our second female, Kate Blanchett, who gets a who was bolstered quite quite heavily because of her Academy Awards wins and nominations. Um, she has six nominations and two wins. Uh, which is the highest number for until you get down to Catherine Hepburn, who's a 37th. Uh, she's I've seen 27 films with Kate Blanchett. I think she's fantastic. Uh, number five, our third female, is Helena Bonham Carter, who has a score of 129.47. So we're already 40 points lower than the first place person of uh, Bottom Carter is the highest-rated person who does not have a single film rated less than 25. Her lowest rating is a 25, and it's from great expectations. Um, there are probably quite a few films that some would argue should be less than a 25, uh, like The Lone Ranger, Dark Shadows, maybe even Alice Through the Looking Glass, uh, Terminator Salvation. But they've all got, you know, mid-30s, high-20s ratings. Me. Uh, behind her in sixth, like I said before, is Christian Bale. Uh, behind him, Tom Hanks. Behind him, Ray Fines. And then this might... This, this name is probably unrecognizable to you unless you are quite entrenched in old cinema. And that name is Bess Flowers... The fourth female in our top 10, and the last female in our top 25, actually, as it turns out. I've seen her in 17 films, which I'm sure many of you will recognize by name, like Vertigo, Singing in the Rain, North by Northwest, Rear Window, All About Eve, It Happened One Night, Dial M for Murder, Bride of Frankenstein, Double Indemnity, The Manchurian Candidate, Funny Face, Now Voyager, to Catch a Thief, The Bad and the Beautiful, Notorious, The Day the Earth Stood Still. And if you're wondering why you don't remember seeing the same actress in all those movies, it's because she is not... I I believe I've read this on her Wikipedia page. Don't quote me on it. But I believe that she has never had a speaking role in any movie she's been in. She is always an extra. And... The reason why she is a notable name is because she's been in over 300 movies or something ridiculous like that. And in the span of like 20 or 30 years. And I couldn't not include her on this list. And I figured at first that she would be number one, without a doubt. But despite the fact that sh- her lowest rated movie it gets a 61, so she literally has no bad movies... I've only seen her in 17, so her value is a little bit smaller than the people around her with just a 46, and the rest of the top 10 have at least 53, so there's definitely a hit taken there. She's obviously never been nominated for an Academy Award, but her, high, her average film rating is an 81.47, and it's not until James Stewart at 20th that you hit another person with an 80. Or more average film rating. So, best flowers. Look her up. It's really interesting, I think. And then to round out the top ten, Matt Damon, who has a score of one twenty six point seven seven. Um. So, you know, high high quality actors in this top ten. Um, and you know, I. I find it quite fascinating actually, because you've got a voice actress born in 1940. So she's 70, I guess 76 years old right now. You've got four, f- five actors born in the sixties, Brad Pitt, Philip Zimmer Hoffman, Kate Blanchett, Helena Bonham Carter, Ray Fiennes, uh, who are, you know, aging, but still definitely hitting their prime you know, Blanchett won an Oscar just two years ago. Ha- uh, Fines and Pitt are still doing some of the best work of their careers, and Helen Bottom Carter is probably the on the, the only one of the four on a slide. I would say it's been a while since her last truly high quality performance or movie that she's been in. <sighs> Uh, and then you've got two actors born in the 70s with Christian Bale and Matt Damon who are still managing to pull off action movies. Uh, Matt Damon recently being in Jason Bourne. Uh, Christian Bale. Uh, I'm trying to think what he, what action movies he's been in since Dark Knight Rises. Uh, you know, The Fighter wasn't really an action movie for him anyway. But he recently won his first Oscar for The Fighter. He's been in a couple, he, you know, he was in American Hustle and uh, The Big Short. So he's he's definitely, oh, those are the three films he was nominated for. Uh, so, you know, he's continuing to do great work, even now, especially now, uh, which just leaves um, Tom Hanks, who is the... Who is born? who was born in 56, and Bess Flowers, who was born in 1898. It's ridiculous. Uh, I still can't believe that she's been in so many movies. Uh, so I found that actors in like between the 60s and v- v- between like 1960 and 85, that's the sweet spot for the movies that I've seen. You know, because they were in all the movies that I watched when I was younger. And now that I'm older, I can see the movies that they were in before then. And they're still making a lot of movies almost every year. Your Don Cheadle's. Your George Clooney's. Your uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's. Your John C. Reilly's. Your Tom Hardy's. Uh, your Allison Janney's. Your Leonardo DiCaprio's. Your Woody Harrelson's. Uh, your Robert Downey Juniors, your Tilda Swinton's—you know a lot of great actors that are still churning out movies and movies and still doing great things for us in cinema land. And so, oh, so the reason I, I went on this <laughs> this exorbitant tangent is because I felt guilty when most of my top actors. I hadn't really ever seen bad movies of except when I was much younger and couldn't discern a good movie from a bad movie as easily so I don't feel it's fair for Sherry Lynn to be rated so highly if I don't also recognize that she's been in bad movies and I do recognize that she's been in nine bad movies six awful movies and yet she's still number one by such a significant margin because the, her catalog is so top-heavy. Whereas, you know, if we scroll down uh, a, few pa- a few... If we page down a little bit, we'll hit someone like, say, uh, Christopher Walken. Who, I've seen 29 films of his. Seven fantastic, outstanding movies that he's been a part of. Whether small or large roles uh but uh there's 10 movies I've seen that have been bad and 4 of those bad movies were pretty, pretty 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 damn awful and so you know his average film rating is just a 59.9 his value his films values are only a 30 uh, he was nominated for 2 Oscars winning once so his score is only a 92.9 which actually pretty high you know he's 379th out of Three thousand two hundred people. You know, he's like top ten percent. Uh, but if we want to get into the truly bad, um, like bad, truly bad actors that have been in a couple of really good movies. So let's say Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. I've seen fourteen movies with Katie Holmes in, and seven of them. So fifty percent of the movies I've seen her in are just terrible Uh, The Giver was awful The Romantics is bad First Daughter was really bad Teaching Mrs. Tingle Disturbing Behavior, Miss Meadows and the cherry on top of the shit ice cream sundae Jack and Jill her worst movie by far actually not by far because I actually have it tied with Miss Meadows which is also really bad but it's much less recognizable as a title Plus two more movies that I've seen of hers that are just bad, not awful. And then five good movies that she's been in. So, you know, The Ice Storm, I thought, is pretty good. And Thank You for Smoking, while she has quite a small role, I think it's a great movie. Uh, So, you know, she gets her credit for that. And then three of her movies, I thought, were really outstanding. And only one of them or two of them are actually outstanding and she has a very significant role in them Pieces of April and Go and as it turns out I believe Go is still a part of my top 100 of all time it might have recently slipped out but I think it's still in there and then the third one is Batman Begins which she does have a significant role but I do think that she is a large negative on the movie overall So, all, the, all that together, her value comes out to just one. She gets one bonus point for the movie she's been in. Which, when you add it to her average film rating of a 43, gives her a 44. Which puts her solidly at 2,815th place. Tied with you know a handful of other people who are also equally poorly reviewed. And then at the very bottom of the spectrum, we have Dan Patrick, who is the only actor on my list to have a negative score. I've seen 50 movies with him in. I wouldn't have known or recognized him if you told me. He's more like a broadcaster than an actual actor. He's been in a lot of Adam Sandler movies. And only one movie that I gave a positive score, and that's Basketball. Where he plays himself, which he does in most of the movies, uh, about mm, a handful of the movies that he's been in, and it's not like I gave baseball a very high score. It got an, a flat sixty, so it's literally the bare minimum to get you into that positive scoring point. Uh, so he has a sc- overall value of negative twenty two against a film average rating of 21.21, which gives him a total score of negative 0.79. And that's just awful. And I cannot deny that he is probably a part of the worst catalog of films on here. And again, you know, shoe on the other foot, I have to recognize that I did like Basketball. I do think it's a good movie. And it is part of Dan Patrick's catalog. It is part of his filmography. And, you know, you can't ignore that. And I want these scores to accurately reflect not just my opinion of these actors. Because, you know, there would definitely be a a lot of names at the top that aren't there. And a lot of the names that are at the top wouldn't be up there. But I also want it to reflect... But I, but I want it to reflect their quality outside of just my opinion. You know? And while a large piece of this is my opinion, there's I think there's enough objectivity that a lot of people would say, Yeah, Brad Pitt is a great actor and he's been a part of great movies. Philip Seymour Hoffman is a great actor and he's been a part of great movies. Cate Blanchett, Helena Bonham Carter, Christian Bale, Tom Hanks, Ray Fiennes, Matt Damon, George Clooney, Seth Rogen, John Ratzenberger, Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, Jonah Hill, Jimmy Stewart, Paul Newman, Alan Rickman, Gary Oldman, Catherine Keener, Brendan Gleeson, Leah DiCaprio, Ed Norton, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, great acting. And even if they're not great in every movie, And even if every movie they're in isn't great, they have an overwhelming majority of greatness and of high quality. And you know that even if the movie they're in is a bad movie overall, there's a reason that they're in it. There's a reason they're acting. You know that they have a history of quality in them. And I think that that I think that that's something worth looking at. You know, I think it's easy to say that someone like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's easy to say that, um, you know, uh, Peter O'Toole is the greatest actor of all time. I think he's fantastic, but, you know, you have to also recognize that Peter O'Toole was in supergirl and whether however you feel about supergirl it doesn't hold a candle to Lawrence of Arabia you know you, you just you have to be able to compensate you know compare one against the other and you know I'm kind of pressing myself for time right now and try and wrap this up before 50 but i think that there's definitely a sense that um you know if someone says my favorite actor is matt damon someone else might try to break you down by saying yeah but what about you know x or what about y you know stuck on you really you know the monuments men come on Jersey girl, what do you, you know, he's been in a lot of bad movies. But you have to realize that everyone's been in bad movies. So, you know, that's just it's it's just as much opinion as it is objective recognition. So, uh, this has been the first episode of my statistics. And it, I kind of think that it's ultimately always going to go off on ver- various tangents. I think that's just the nature of my spreadsheet and how one piece of it connects to pretty much every other piece. You know, we only really talked about two or three different pages, and there are 11 or 12 actually, there are 12 different pages on my spreadsheet. So there's an infinite amount of information in here, which, okay, there's a finite amount of information, but it's a vast finite amount. And hopefully this isn't as awful for you as I dread it could be. And maybe you learned something. Maybe you heard a movie that someone was in that you hadn't realized they were in or hadn't even heard of before. And now it's piqued your interest. And maybe next time you think about who your favorite actors are and who you think the best actors are, you'll, you know, have a slightly different outlook on the answers to that question. I never would have picked Sherry Lynn as the best actor in the movies I'd seen, primarily because I didn't know who the hell she was a couple of years ago. But now, that's my answer. And maybe you don't know who that is, and maybe that person doesn't know who it is when I say her name but I don't think it would take much convincing of most people anyway when I run down all the movies that she's been in because it's, it's an overwhelming amount of just high quality primarily animated movies and I think that's fantastic so Thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too boring. I I might try to trim this kind of thing down. Gosh, I'm way over where I want it to be. I'm going to probably try and trim this down to maybe a half hour episodes. I think anything more than that kind of pushes the envelope as far as audience tolerance. So, again, thanks for listening. I'm going to trim this so it won't. You'll probably hear me keep saying how long its it feels like it is for me right now recording it. And you'll be looking at your timestamp going, but it's only like 35 minutes in. Why are you so upset about 50? Okay. I'm going to edit it down and uh, hopefully it'll be a little cleaner. So, thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at film at gmail.com and Hopefully I'll see you around next time. Have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight night. Come on, babe, why not we paint the town? And all that jazz. So long.